Hello, hello, and welcome to Ask Alia, where you ask the questions and Alia provides the answers. Today's big question is about casual sexism. And to help me answer these questions, I have with me my very clear, my very clear, I was going to say my very near and my very dear friends, but they're not actually that near because they're miles apart from me. So welcome to the episode, Sakshi and Malvina. Tell us a little bit about yourselves. So I am Malvina. I um i'm currently living in bangalore and uh trying to love it or not hate it. <laughs> but um yeah other than trying not to hate bangalore um i am currently working as a creative strategist at um Pichkari, which is a design studio and i've been in the creative and design business for like the last almost six years now and um, yeah I think um, being an Indian woman I think makes me an expert on the topic of <laughs> casual sexism because there's just so much of it uh, around us so yeah um, excited to address some very important questions about casual sexism um, in general yeah awesome <clears throat> Sakshi Hi, and hello to Amandeep, Malvina, and the awesome, awesome listeners of Ask Alia. Am I supposed to say the... It's I fine. I think, I think at this point, everyone knows. So, okay. <laughs> Guys, okay. breaking news. I'm not actually Alia. Alia is fictional. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> no, Alia is real. She's, she's as real as, you know, casual sexism. So she's very real. So she just hovers in the background until someone asks her to come. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and then, you know, unlike men who will not fuck off, she actually does what she's asked or requested to do. So, yeah. Wow. Anyway, I, yeah. <laughs> I told you I was very angry. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so, uh, I'm Sakshi. I'm currently unemployed from work. And work for me is working with a non-profit called the Natural Institute, where we work on poverty alleviation. Um, sustainably and scalably within our lifetime. Um, I've been on sabbatical for the last couple of months and some of the stuff that I have been reading and watching um, and listening to, including um, other podcasts as well, has been around uh, gender, around feminism, around sexism. So um, I've been thinking about the subject for a couple of weeks at least and um, really, really looking forward to today's discussion. Amazing. It sounds like a very, um, I mean, first of all, loving, fun, employed. I think that's that's, <laughs> that's a very good way of describing it. I'm, I'm um, trying to find the fun in fun employed. I'm sure, I'm sure you've, because you were visiting us for some time. Um, yes. So, yeah, I think, I think you would have had some kind of fun while being fun employed. Um, but also just to say, you know, since um, we're both we're kind of on the topic of Bangalore, both Sakshi and Malvina kind of just decided to fuck off to Malvina for whatever reason. Both had legit reasons, but I never made my peace with it. Malvina um, followed her husband and her job opportunity and Sakshi went there as a way of, I don't know, like self-inflicted torture. I never really understood. But uh, yesterday, I just yeah, I just wanted to let you guys know that yesterday I was um, looking up someone on Facebook, someone I went to university with, and 
he was American and he has somehow decided that he wants to go to Bangalore as well. So he is currently living in Bangalore. And I just, when I looked at it, I was like, are you fucking joking? But anyway, Bangalore seems to be sucking up all of my uh, close friends. Now it's Canada also getting there, but that's fine. So, I think um, these people who are now moving to Bangalore in their defense will tell you that it's not just Bangalore. It's the Silicon Valley of India. <laughs> so, you know. <laughs> I mean, I'm just thinking about the thing that you said to me about Bangalore, that the city is elevated, but the people are not. And I feel like nothing has ever summarized this whole Bangalore phenomenon more. Right. Well, thank you so much, both of you, for joining me today. Um, and also... I mean, the, the reason that I wanted you guys to be on this episode was because we have kind of grown around similar backgrounds. So kind of sexism from when we were kids to sexism that happens now, everything that's kind of been normalized, we've experienced it all together. So we do have shared experiences, but also because we live in different parts of the world, we probably have some kind of differing views as well so it's going to be a really interesting conversation but before we get into it before we get into the serious stuff what has everyone been up to what has been going on during the week marvina tell us a little bit about what's been keeping you busy during the week um so i've been doing a lot of holiday planning i have two weddings coming up one in november one in december um which i'm super excited about because i haven't taken a nice vacation uh, for a very long time and yes uh, I see Sakshi flashing her ring <laughs> I am also trying to figure out how I can sneak in a quick trip to Bombay to also accommodate for Sakshi's engagement festivities so yeah there's a lot of um, uh, work and holiday schedule planning happening I'm looking at um, one of the weddings is in Goa um, and uh, Akash and I will be extending our stay in Goa because soon after the wedding we will be celebrating our three-year wedding anniversary oh my so I'm <laughs> I know uh it doesn't feel like three years because you know COVID ate away pretty much half of it but yeah uh so yeah um I'm looking at like hotels and resorts and stuff uh the first wedding which is happening in Sikkim is also kind of like um, an opportunity for us to do our honeymoon because we didn't get to do that because of COVID, obviously. Um, so we were meant to go to Japan for our honeymoon, which didn't happen. But uh, when we're going to be in Sikkim, it's going to be cherry blossom season. So I'm looking at uh, resorts that are like in the midst of, you know, the cherry blossom and tea gardens. So yeah, that's what I've been up to. Awesome. So actually, you were here. I was you, here. you were in the bar. I was, there. Bar, so, I was yeah. here, there, and everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So I just, and the reason that my eyes are not visible during you know, the filming of this podcast, I mean, one of course is because just thinking about, you know, the topic made me want to roll my eyes into my own head <laughs> so many times. But I think at some point they, they just got stuck there. Yeah. But also because I just took a red eye from, um, from Dubai to Mumbai. And um, Dubai was awesome. I was there for about a month and a half and I got to see all of my school friends, which is always fun. Um, so I got to catch up with everybody. Um, the last week has just been, you know, preparation for coming back. So, you know, one of those casual sexism things as well. Oh, what are you wearing for this event? What are you wearing for, you know, 
basically every event of your life now that you're yeah. getting married everything has to be you know sorted you need to have enough ethnic clothes you need to you know if you're if you're staying with your in-laws for a couple of days you need to make sure that you're wearing appropriate clothing so yeah it's been it's been a great week of <laughs> uh, again like just just planning those um uh, things yeah wow yeah, i don't plan i'm in mumbai fact, like it after you're married or engaged it's it's like a huge thing you know like indian women are expected to look a certain way after they're married like when i went home uh, to my grandmom for the first time after i got married and she's like but you look exactly the same why don't you look like a married woman? why aren't you dressed like a married woman where is all the jewelry that you were given <laughs> and why are you still wearing you know um why are you dressing up like a little girl um, like a little girl that's interesting yeah so they i mean no one asks men this like why aren't <laughs> why don't you look like a married man <laughs> what yeah, that? that's like casual sex <laughs> because the man is probably like on the prowl i'm looking for potential people to cheat with that's why i don't look like a married man <laughs> Have you seen my wedding band? It's gone. I took it off. I mean, I don't. I don't think men are that bad, but uh, but yeah. I mean, I I do. I'm just being extra. Is, okay. <laughs> there are there are like a lot of you know expectations that come with it, and these expectations are not even from my in-laws or from my partner. They're just they're from my own parents, which is which is weird, right? Yeah. And I think Malvina, you mentioned it was it was your grandma said this as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's actually funny because like when my sister got married for example, the more pressure to actually wasn't even just my mother, it was it was both sets of mothers or both sets of not not parents exactly, but both mothers who were kind of involved in this whole thing where oh you're married now, you need to look like a married woman, like you need to be wearing uh clothes that show that you uh your 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 in a well to do family and you know that you know your in-laws are taking care of you. and you need to wear this jewelry and where's that diamond where's that gold where's that whatever whatever and you need to be looking that part all the time it's really nobody said that to her husband obviously you need to look like a married man but yeah like you said it's just uh, <laughs> it's not something that ever occurs i i am almost um i would like to make you guys feel jealous about how i spent last week i got into manifest the show <laughs> um a couple of people oh, have told me God. that i should should get into it yeah you were one of them and uh, another one of my friends said you should really watch it and then every time thing is like people have been asking me to do it for a long time every time that i watched the preview i was like oh this looks really cool and then yesterday i got into it and then any time that i get heavily into a series i start having dreams about it which is i guess not healthy but i woke up because of a dream that i had i had a dream that my boyfriend <laughs> who is non-existent that my boyfriend is potentially cheating on me like i have a feeling that he's cheating on me and we board this magic plane and then when we land it's like 5 years hence right so then i look at him like so basically anyone that you were cheating with has probably moved on right and when i'm just like see this is what you get for cheating on me so even in my dreams i'm being cheated on so i don't even know what that's about maybe something for my therapist to think about but anyway moving on to the topic at hand casual sexism so before we um got into this episode i had asked you both to think about how you perceive 
casual sexism or how you define it. So obviously there are, there is like a textbook definition of it and people have spoken about it before, but in your own words, how do you, what do you think of, what are the words that kind of come to your mind when you think about the term casual sexism? Malvina? Um, I think for me, like the, the biggest um, example of casual sexism that I've grown up with, um, you know, it, it started at all of these parties and gatherings that we would have either at our house or ones that we would go to where all, you know, all the husbands would sort of, you know, uh, come together and, you know, have conversation, drink and so on. And all of these conversations are then peppered with harmless uh, jokes about their wives. Um, so I think for me, like when I think of casual sexism, the word that comes to my mind is harmless um, because at least that's what, you know, the person, you know, the other end might be thinking that, you know, it's, it's just a joke or I don't mean anything. Um, but whoever's on the receiving end of it, you know, uh, it's not harmless to them. Um, so any kind of, you know, conscious, unconscious behavior that, you know, uh, might be offensive to someone, but you refuse to see it as anything that's, you know, not harmless. I think, yeah, that's, that's casual sexism for me. Uh, not just for like women on the receiving end of it, but um, I think I'll come to this a little bit more later in our conversation where, you know, men are expected to dress or behave in a certain way or look a certain way. Um, and if they do anything that's like defying that, like let's say, for example, wearing feminine colors or whatever, and then there are comments made um, around that as well. And then it's it, it's just passed off like, oh, it's it's just, you know, I was just teasing, you know, I I think you look great, but you know, whatever. So any kind of air quotes, harmless comment um, that might hurt someone's feelings. I think to me, like, a lot of it comes from there. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. <clears throat> Definitely. And I, when I was thinking about this topic, I didn't exactly think of the word harmless because, yeah, okay, yeah. the people who are doing it are probably thinking it's harmless, but it didn't It didn't even come across to me as being harmless because, like you said, the person who's on the receiving end of it isn't thinking of it that way. Exactly. That's and I think that's, that's always their defense. Like, yeah. oh, but it's, it's just a harmless joke. So... That's why I use the word. I mean, I've heard it so many times now. So yeah. Yeah. No, and not even not even with sexism. I think it it also happens with a lot of the times when people are wildly politically incorrect. It yeah. They're, they're thinking, oh, but it's just it's just a harmless joke. And I think to an extent, everyone does it because it has been going on for generations, and it's going to take a while before we can all be kind of PC. Um, not in a way where we are compulsively PC, but in a way that we can be not offensive to anyone. But again, it's just as long as we keep defending ourselves with the word harmless, I think it is harmless because we feel the need to defend ourselves, right? So, Sakshi, what do you think of... Uh, I know that when you were thinking about it, I, I can actually kind of see your face curling into something of an angry smile. So tell us, tell us what angered you when you were thinking about casual sexism. So what, what angered me when I thought of casual sexism is how, I mean, one is always, is, is, sorry, one is of course how normalized it is, right, at this point in time, this behavior. Yeah. Um, and it's not just the things that people say, but it's also the things that people do, right? And um, 
even even in the institutions that we have, and I'll come to that um, a little bit later. Um, even like I, I mean, I have issues with the fact that we have you know women-only cabins in in our trains, and we have women-only queues in our in our you know, public spaces because a public space should be safe for everybody, not just for women or not just you know for men. And women shouldn't need to have um, special treatment because that kind of defeats. I mean, for me, that kind of defeats the purpose um, of of what we're trying to achieve here. I mean, of course, I know I understand baby steps, and I completely understand the rationale for having these sort of things. But um, like I said, it's it's accepted behavior, right? And um, almost to the point where it's it's obvious that you know this is just how the world works. So any any deviation from this is you you trying to be a feminist or you know, you trying to be um, PC for no reason, right? Like oh, but if if I if I can't crack an offensive joke about women, then you know what can I crack a crack a joke about? Like all humor is offensive, so. Then I'm not allowed to say anything at all. Um, but that's not the point because I don't think all humor is offensive um, or needs to be offensive. Um, and I don't think that that's the only way for somebody to express themselves, um, you know, or for or for somebody to live their lives. And I think that a lot of casual sexism also manifests itself in the way that um, we live our lives. So you know, whether it's around the house, you know, around the house or around the workplace. Um, just the way that women are disproportionately even expected to, or it's it's normalized for them to, you know, do a lot of whether it's unpaid work around the house, around the workplace, or you know, just be like the office mom, or just be like you know, picking up after everybody else at home as well. Um, you know, just that disproportionate expectation. It, yeah, like for me, that again, that that really just gets me um, sometimes. So I think that's that's where, yeah, that's what makes me angry. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I 100% get that. Um, so yeah. for the listeners, um, obviously, you know, you've heard kind of our take on it. Um, but just if anyone is still unclear on what consists of or, or what, what kind of leads to casual sexism, um, there was a short definition that I found online that uh, I'm just going to read out so that we just establish what we are kind of fighting against. So casual or everyday sexism refers to sexism that is experienced so regularly that it has become normalized. Casual sexism is often linked to unconscious sexist beliefs of which we are not even aware. Sexism is so culturally pervasive that it has become an implicit or subconscious norm. So I think this definition kind of covers everything that the both of you have said. So things like harmless jokes about women it does come from an unconscious sexist belief of which people are probably not aware of. So like, you know, to your point, Malvina, when when we were kids and we would go to these parties where the men would be making jokes about women, or I distinctly remember this one time, there was a group on, on uh, WhatsApp, so it was like years ago, where literally some of the men of my extended family got together just to share jokes about women. It was meant to be like jokes about their wives. And they thought they were being hilarious. And I was like, well, that's actually not hilarious. Like, because I knew that I, I would have been, what, like 19, 20 at that point. And I was thinking like, in a few years, I'm going to start being pushed into like the whole wedding thing. Like you need to get married, you need to get married. And I, my primary argument is going to be, if you hate your women so much, and if everybody hates their um, their wives so much, then why am I expected to get into this uh, into this arrangement? So yeah, it's 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 awful that this still exists because 
Yeah, go on. The answer then, then the answer would be, oh, we don't hate our ex, we love them, and that's why we make these jokes. Like that's why we crack these jokes. So it's so perverse in that sense. I I made the exact same argument to someone um who cracked a joke about his wife, and I said. I said the exact same thing, you know. I was like, you know, see, this is why I don't want to get married because I don't want my husband to make jokes about me the same way that you're making about your wife. And then he said, but this is what marriage is. It, it's about you know, uh, joking around and having fun. And I was like, uh, but this seems very one-sided, you know. I mean, it it would have seemed fair. It would have seemed like a little fun or like a little teasing if, you know, it it wasn't about making. one person in the relationship seem inferior to the other one but i think that's what it's disguised as um you know by calling it fun or just teasing or you know some people even go to the extent of saying that oh that's that's just my way of expressing my love um no i don't think your wife feels loved <laughs> when um she hears you making comments or remarks like that so yeah, yeah. but that's but that's the normalization part of it right that okay. women of you know a couple of years older than us or women of an older generation might not even take offense at these jokes like we might be taking offense on their behalf they might not even think that oh you know this is demeaning to me and, and i shouldn't stand for it um for them it might actually be okay this is how he expresses himself so at least he's expressing himself in some way um again i'm not i'm not trying to speak on behalf of women um you know from another generation but yeah like and i've and i've seen a lot of women forwarding these jokes as well which for me again is something i i just never understood because yeah like like some like a woman sharing a joke about how oppressed a man is <clears throat> how oppressed a man is in his marriage i it just it blew my mind so <laughs> you know this reminds me one time so even the book the first stage of women's club is the it's largely based on these uh, matchmaking websites that um indian families have come to rely so heavily on there was this one person that i met on there first of all i mean he was okay this is going to be like a big uh, not not a big reveal or anything but there is there are a few incidents that happen in the book that may have happened in my life and one of the um <laughs> one of one of the guys who i described in the book as having a pillow face because his face looked like a very squishy pillow um now obviously i was in my early 20s at that point and i was a little bit more kind of insensitive about the way that i used words but um one of the things that he did that kind of really pushed me off the edge was this joke one of the jokes that he sent me he sent me like this picture where it was like a before and after of getting married so before it uh it was like uh an animated picture of a man and a woman sitting on a park bench looking at the sunset or whatever and both looking like normal and then after um the man and the woman the woman was sitting on the park bench but the woman had doubled in size and the man stayed the same so it's it's just it's a bit like is this strictly necessary first of all is this was this picture when it was created was it strictly necessary was it necessary for you to send me this what are you implying like if we get married this is what's going to happen and it was just i couldn't believe that someone who actually wants to actively get in my pants right now 
is talking to me like that? And are they expecting this to actually make an impact? Are they expecting this to make me feel like, oh my God, you're so funny. I want to get married to you right now. So yeah, I guess it's not even, and he was, to be fair, he was a little bit older. So I get, you know, like it's actually your point about like people who are a little bit older than us are probably not as offended by these jokes as we are. But again, our generation is less likely to, to tolerate bullshit like that. So another thing that I came across online was like um it was it was notes from a book about everyday sexism and it just said that sexist behavior exists everywhere in society, but it remains a largely unreported and invisible problem, which I think is interesting because you know we're having this podcast and the the conversations about sexism in the workplace and harassment in the workplace not even just in the even standing in a fucking queue that needs to be split into a women's queue and a men's queue all of that is everyday sexism so it is reported but then there are other kind of facets of it that go unreported as well and I think those are the ones that have been normalized since we were kids so again before we got into this episode I had asked you to think about episodes from your childhood that have normalized casual sexism for you so, for example, for me, I unquestionably would do chores at home, like domestic chores and everything, never once questioning why my brother wasn't being asked to do anything. So if I did, if I said, oh, how come he doesn't have to do anything? At that point, it was being construed as, you know, you're just being a child. If I've asked you to do something, just do it. Stop expecting your siblings to do it. But now it's more of a question of why wasn't he asked to do anything? Because at this age where we're both in our late 20s he still relies on other people to do his shit for him whereas I don't so it has it has just become so and then when I asked my my mother about it she was like yeah but he's a boy you know you can't expect him to um to know how to how to do shit and it just it feels like you know how charity begins from home sexism also begins from home and I feel like this was one thing that really um just stood out for me so how about the two of you because so Marvina you uh, grew up with a sister but you did have like male cousins around you and actually you obviously have an older brother so what has your experience been not just within the family but also like going to school and 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 seeing like other families and things like that so Marvina do you want to give us your take on it yeah I mean um I I did experience um some of the same things that you did um not as much though because um I think my siblings and I uh brothers and sisters were almost raised equally I think it was relatively much better at at home uh for me than it was for a lot of other people um in my extended family um but but adding on to that um my brothers um at the age of 13 onwards, if they had to step out, they didn't have to worry about what am I wearing? Is it a pro? So I think, I think that that's one um, major sort of casual sexism example, like that I saw being normalized growing up. And the other thing was um, not in my immediate family, but in my extended family, like, you know, when um, let's say at a gathering, a child is misbehaving or whatever. Um, So, you know, it's, it's, it's always, you know, um, the upbringing of the child questioned in terms of what has your mother taught you or has your mother not taught you this? You know, even even the father, for example, in this case, right? Let's say a child is misbehaving and then, you know, the parents sort of start arguing about 
the whole situation and the father is like well what do you do with this kid all day at home haven't you been teaching him or her so and so right but even upbringing and parenting and raising a child is meant to be an equal responsibility but growing up what a lot of us saw is that simply because you know the father is the breadwinner he's the one who's going to work um it's the the responsibility of bringing up a child falls entirely on the mother um which is a shame because then that implies that the mother is at home doing nothing and the father is out there you know working and and you know um yeah so you know again it just it, it just sort of adds to this whole conversation about um domestic work and unpaid labor that you know a wife or a homemaker um takes on to herself right um so i think i, I saw a lot of that as well like when when it comes to the upbringing of a child it's always the mother that's questioned and not as much the father yeah i think that's that's a really good point so two things that um i can relate to one is when you said you know when your cousins your uh, male cousins when they were growing up and if they wanted to ever leave the house it was not questioned like what are you wearing or anything and i've seen the same thing happening um in our families as well like to this day when i go out i'm not exactly quizzed or anything about like where i'm going or who i'm going with but i can kind of sense that fear that something's going to happen to me like i am going to get raped this time but it doesn't happen with my brother like when he oh my god i sound like such a teenager right like you don't ever do this to my brother so when he goes out like i remember one time i asked my mom um do you know where he is and she just said i don't know and i don't want to know cuz she just had an argument with him and she was just like you know what he can just do whatever he wants and he came back at like 3 in the morning and i remember 2 in the morning she texted me do you know do you have any idea where he is and i'm like that is not something that would ever happen with me like if two in the morning i'm not at home the police is going to be phoned and i'm probably going to lose like my car privileges or whatever so it's just it's 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 so different the way that the the female and the male are treated and then also you know the the question about what are you doing at home with the child all day as the mother now obviously this is something that was happening a few a few years ago now i can see that men are more involved the father is more involved which is good it's, it doesn't happen everywhere in i guess in some um less educated parts of the world it's still a non-existent idea that the father has to be involved in the upbringing of the child but when i see that like the father is involved in the parenting activity or if the if the father uh, lends a hand in like domestic chores and things everyone makes such a big deal about it like oh my god that's so amazing this man is helping you out in the kitchen like you well, yeah of course he's helping me out in the kitchen i mean he's eating half of the food that's being cooked he's using half the dishes that are being used so why isn't he doing you know making half the effort so again like you know sexism starts at home <laughs> so actually what has your experience been like when it came to you know childhood experiences of sexism uh so bunch of things one is obviously you know the double standards for boys and girls and even though i mean i have an older brother and you know even though i would have expected a lot more sexism but just you know looking back i think it's actually been it hasn't it hasn't been that bad to be really honest um because he's always got my back i feel my brother's always got my back like he's he's one of the you know one of the biggest feminists that i know 
um, I don't know if he would call himself a feminist, but he's always advocated for, you know, whatever we do that we that we both be held to the same standards. Um, so he's he's been he's been quite vocal about that at home as well. Um, and I've been really lucky, uh, you know, to not have to go through a cycle where I have to you know fight against um, what is happening in my own home to such an extent that it makes me you know um, resent my brother. So. Having said that, there were still a lot of different standards for my brother and for me. Um, like he, I remember, this, and I was, I so I'm 29 now, and I still have a coffee. Like my parents still call me at you know 10 p.m. if I'm not home, and uh, they're like, where, where, you know, where are you? Are you on your way home? When are you gonna be back? Are you staying over at somebody's house? Um, whereas with my brother, like it, it would just they would just ask, oh, do you have the keys? That's hmm. all. Um, so you know, just just that difference. Um, yeah. The fact that when I was in, and I was in college when this happened, that's happened like two, three times. So he would go out at night um, and, you know, he would leave the house at 1130 yeah. um, to go and celebrate a friend's birthday to give them a midnight surprise. And I can't even imagine doing that in Dubai. I can't even imagine doing that anywhere in the world, but I can't even imagine that doing, you know, doing that when I'm at home. So that's, you know, those, those sort of things. Um, I mean, it, it, it exists, right? Um, the expectation is for me and for me and my hubby, in fact, both of us, uh, my sister-in-law, both of us to be contributing more in the housework um, than we ever are. Like, I think even even if, you know, even if we're doing all the housework, it will still be, oh, but you didn't do this. And, you know, you should be doing this as well. Um, even though, you know, the argument will be otherwise that, you know, no, we don't expect anything from you. Um, you know, you're, you're the daughter of the house uh, or you're the daughter of the house. You don't really expect anything from you. That's what they'll say. But the underlying expectation will still be you're the daughter, pick up the plates. And, you know, um, it's okay if my brother doesn't pick up the plates sometimes, but like I always have to make sure that I pick up the plates so that I set the table. Yeah. Um, and to his, yeah. And again, like to his credit, um, my brother's always the first one up to you know, set the plates or help out in the kitchen or just do anything um, at home. That's, that's just the kind of person that he is, um, right? So it's it, it hasn't been even even that overt sexual, uh, you know, sorry, sexism hasn't um, hurt me that much um, as it could have if my brother had decided to take advantage of his position. So yeah, but of course, like the, the double standards still remain. Um, and I think the other thing that I would want to explore, maybe not in this in this podcast or or on this platform. Is the double standards that we have for daughters versus daughter girls, um, because those exist as well, and and it's it's ridiculous. But some of the other stuff, um, you know, girls not being encouraged, or at least I was not being encouraged to be to show any sort of behavior that was demanding or aggressive or loud. Um, I remember being told on multiple occasions to not whistle because you know girls don't whistle, so don't whistle. I'm like okay but okay fine I mean it's not I don't know but it was it wasn't told to me that you know you shouldn't whistle because girls don't whistle so I don't know if it would have been okay if my brother was whistling I don't know but I was told that you know girls don't whistle so don't whistle or you know girls don't wear certain things or girls don't look a certain way so so behave like that I had a fight with my mom about um waxing my legs so for the longest time I've been I've been fighting about you know not getting my legs waxed and I would just say one thing I would, I would just say my brother wears shorts all the time you don't ask him to wax his legs and his legs are way way hairier than mine so why should I have to? <laughs> she finally stopped. 
But again, just that double standard, right? That, oh, you're a yeah. girl, you have to wax your legs. And like, yeah, but I mean, who cares? Like, nobody's looking at my legs. And if they are, you know, enjoy the thing. I don't know. Like, just, I don't have a problem with it. Why does everybody else seem to? Um, I think that's now that you brought this up, like, that's, that's the other thing that I also wanted to speak about, right? Like, um, like you said, you know, it, it's made a big deal when a man contributes to you know, household chores and things like that. But it's also made a big deal when a man likes taking care of his appearance, right? Mm, yeah. Uh, I don't I don't think anyone uses this word anymore, but the term metrosexual, right? I don't think there is a reason for it to exist because yeah. there's nothing wrong or there's nothing out of the ordinary for a man wanting to take care of himself. I don't think that needs a label or a definition. Um I mean, I was, I was at the airport once, um, you know, at the, at the security check. Um, there was a kid in front of me um, who was traveling back home uh, for his, uh, you know, winter break or whatever. And he was wearing black nail paint. Um, and then the uh, security officer made a huge deal out of it and had a whole conversation about him when this kid is trying to, you know, make it to his gate on time. Um, saying ki, you know, ye sab karte like, you know, boys don't do this, boys don't wear nail paint. And then this kid, I know he wanted to fight back, but he was also late for his flight. So he's just like, find me a book which says that men can't wear nail paint. So I think, I think even, even in terms of, you know, beauty standards and things like that, right. What's normalized, um, what, what's become an expectation, um, from women, like, you know, you need to have your body hair waxed and you need to look or dress in a certain way um and if a man does it it's seen as something out of the ordinary like even when it comes to matchmaking right mm. um um i've seen it i've seen it in my own family like when there are arranged marriage situations right um i've seen it happen with like women where like let's say there's a boy that's coming over with his family to you know uh, meet the girl and so on um she's gone like over and above in terms of you know how she wants to present herself she's booked an appointment with a dermatologist because she wants to take care of you know the acne um and make sure it's all gone uh and you know the clothing what are you going to wear what makeup are you going to wear and you know all of that all of this before even you've met the guy right um and established expectations of what you want out of that relationship and when it comes to when it comes to the man, I don't see men putting in as much effort when there is a woman and her family coming over to see him. So, yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Wow, it's a bit rubbish, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I was actually going to come to this point, but I saw one of the things that I wrote about, you know, what I what I saw in my childhood, and this was this was a huge part of it, right? The fact that it's so normalized for us growing up to be so conscious of our bodies. So I remember like going on summer vacations and I used to love going on summer vacations to, to Delhi and Mumbai, um, which is where my parents are from. But, um, and like, I never faced this myself because my mom, you know, never actively fat shamed me. But growing up, my, my cousins, my aunts would, my aunts were actively fat shamed my cousins, my female cousins. And it was horrifying for me, like even growing up, like I, I never, again, I never understood it, you know, how you can, you know, compare your own daughter to, you know, animals 
and and you know say things like why are you eating so much and then at the same time you're telling them to continue eating but at the same time you're telling the boys you know to eat a lot more because you know boys are growing boys they're growing kids but aren't the girls also growing kids like how does how does it matter right and like i remember my grandma and she still does this again i'm 29 today but my grandma still you know feels like she can just comment on how tanned i've i've gotten or how i need to put you know chickpea flour on my face or how i need to bathe with milk to to you know get a fairer complexion um i remember actually buying fair and lovely as a child once just oh because, my god you know, yeah she's like no no use it use it it will help it will help um does it and you're a child and i was a child right no of course it does i was a child <laughs> so i didn't even use it i must have used it once i have the discipline of like i don't know like can get um <laughs> so i didn't end up using it at all but um oh hi hi <laughs> sorry uh, so you the can... most beautiful girl in the world has made it <laughs> Yeah, I hope you aren't experiencing any sexism. It was just, <laughs> <laughs> but just the the you know the right that people think that they have um about making comments about your body, and and it just doesn't go away. Mm. Like I've I've seen it, like I've seen it with my parents. Um, I've seen it with my grandma. Like they just that you know the right that they feel that they have about commenting on somebody's body. Yeah, it's ridiculous, and and on women's bodies mostly. Yeah, men's yeah. bodies get some scrutiny, but you know, the amount that women get is just is disproportionate and just unfair. Um, so again, like of course, women are going to be conscious about how they look. Of course, they cannot, you know, invest so much more in you know makeup or or you know a variety of clothing. Yeah, which is again something that really pisses me off. How, you know, women. even though and and the gender gap is the gender wage gap is real right women do on lesser than men across most you know say mid level management positions um but i think as women we spend way more than men on basically everything yeah from you know from hygiene to maybe except i don't know food but that's just the volume i mean again maybe there are i mean there are women who are big eaters as well right? so i mean we end up spending way more than men on any on everything right on just like functioning as a human being um yeah yeah i think so um, it's making me very angry i'm sure it is so <laughs> there was actually something that i read that so back in 2014 it was estimated that it's going to take 70 years for the gender wage gap to close and today it stands at 217 years so on the surface of it while it looks like we are becoming more aware and we are having more of these conversations it seems like within the system things aren't actually changing as much people are still finding a way to 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 make sure that that gap remains and it also reminds me of this one thing that i um that i heard on the show modern family uh i don't know if you guys watch it but there's a uh, you do okay perfect so there's uh there's an episode in which uh Claire Dunphy gets a promotion into like the CEO position and she says i finally know what it's like to be a powerful white man and then at the end of it she goes like i completely get why they don't want to give us any powers so it just it just goes to show like the minute that you step into that position of power you're you know being white okay that's a conversation for another time but being a powerful man it just opens so many doors for you and then when you think about like all of these nitty gritty things that are happening on the inside um so there's this podcast by Justin Baldoni from 
that show, Jane the Virgin. Jim Jane the Virgin. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Man Enough. I think, you know, so I think, like, I completely understand where he's coming from because when he was on Jane the Virgin, everybody was going completely gaga about what a handsome hunk he is and just like going all crazy about his appearance and everything and, you know, the way that he looks and his muscular physique and everything. And then he now talks about how men are beginning to to just think about like how they need to be man enough because yeah. yeah because again because of how how society not only places pressure on women but also on men so if you think about it, like feminism isn't about women it's about gender it's about equality with everyone so it's it's just it's yeah. it's interesting to to see that he has been having you know these experiences as well and then he said that if men didn't feel emasculated so easily, they would stop kind of oppressing women because most of the oppression of women that happens comes as a result of men being insecure, which makes perfect sense, I think. It's, you know, I mean, men aren't going to make jokes about women if they feel secure about themselves. I can't think of one happy married couple who, you know, whose idea of humor is making jokes about the woman. So I think I think that makes perfect sense. I think there's also so um, along with this emasculation, right? There's um, there's this infantilization of both the genders in in different spheres of life. So the infantilization of women when it comes to driving, for example, or or you know doing doing math or doing taxes or, or being in STEM. Um, just the infantilization that women may not be as suited to those roles as men are going to be, or that women don't belong in those spheres um, as much as men do. But also the infantilization of men in the home where, you know, oh, he's he's my Raja Veta, he can't pick up the plates. Um, or, you know, just, just not teaching them um, the basic skills of cooking, of housekeeping, um, just those things, right? And and there's this comment that, keep, that kept coming back to me um, when I was thinking about this was, you know, uh, and, I, and I've heard my mom say this to my brother as well, you know, when you marriage, Hmm. Um, like you know, your your wife will get you on track. Um, yeah, and I'm like, but that's not her job. Like exactly. You know, oh my god! Now I'm she's angry. She's not supposed to be doing that. <laughs> and it sends the wrong message to both him that yeah. you know that that he will be he will be a better person when he's married, and it sends the wrong message to me that I have to take care of you know or I have to mother the man that I'm marrying. Yeah. yeah. Um, because you know he has yeah. to become a better person when we get married, and I'm supposed and I'm. And I'm somehow responsible for that, and I don't want that responsibility. I want I don't I want to be with somebody who, you know, is is not infantilized in any way, or doesn't infantilize me in any way, or you know, um, yeah. We call the Great Indian Kitchen. Have you guys watched it? No, not yet. It's on my list. I've I've heard I'm going to be very triggered by watching it, so but I will watch it. It is extremely triggering. triggering. Um, it's a Malayalam movie. Um which basically is a story of a woman who's newly married and you know how she sort of takes on the responsibility of the household and how casual sexism is normalized right um right from what the mother-in-law's responsibility is to what the daughter-in-law is supposed to take care of um there's there's a bit in the movie where you know they show like a montage where the father-in-law is uh you know sitting um in the lawn with his morning newspaper, the mother-in-law comes in with his toothbrush for him. 
um, you know, with the with the toothpaste laid out on it and like her, like his slippers and things like that. So everything is like handed to him on a platter, basically. The mother-in-law then has to travel for some business, um, and then the daughter-in-law is expected to take over. And the father-in-law is just sort of sitting on his lawn chair, and he's expecting his daughter-in-law to hand him the toothbrush. Um, so it's it's. I mean, I think it like that's how bad it is in at least some parts of India even today. Um, like you know, men are infantilized to that extent. Like they can't even take their own toothbrush and you know, take care of their personal hygiene and things like that, right? Um. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think that is, I think I think if, if 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 there's a movie that perfectly captures casual sexism in India, it's this movie. Um, I, I'm not I'm not gonna. I'd love to talk more about it, but I don't want to because I'd like the both of you to watch it. Um, but yeah, like, um, find the time to see it. Um, you might need a punching bag after, but yeah, I think um, everyone should watch it. Not just not just you know. The women but like if you can get like the men around you to watch it as well i think it's um enlightening my god there's also a punjabi movie actually with uh with it's 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 not um i mean obviously i haven't watched um the one that you're talking about but in this punjabi film um this man marries a woman and she is unwilling to take on any of the domestic responsibilities and she's shown as such a villain um, of the film you know like the entire narrative around this whole thing is like oh um, she's so rude and she's so mean that she doesn't want to help out in the household and the guy is just shown as going into work coming back lounging back and just chilling you know and and the moral of the of, of the of the story of the film was that the wife needs to make adjustments in her lifestyle so that everyone can have a peaceful existence and I wasn't watching this film. I was in my room. I was doing like whatever. And then my sister, who was staying with us, I think this happened during uh, the COVID lockdown. So everybody was in one house as it is, you know, tempers were running high. So she's in the living room. She's watching this film with my mother. And then she's just like, Aman, can you come downstairs, please? I need to show you something really interesting. And I get there and she goes like, Aman, watch this. This is really going to trigger you. And then I sat there watching like literally 10 minutes of it. I couldn't get past more than that. And I watched this whole thing and they're like, and I'm just like, are you serious? The first big thing that the wife does is to change what she wears. So she was wearing like regular, you know, jeans, tops, dresses, skirts, whatever, whatever. And then she gets married and suddenly the expectation is she needs to be in traditional Indian clothing. That really wound me up to begin with. Like I get if you want to be a little bit more modest and done in, in, in front of your parents-in-law, that's fine, you know, but completely changing the way you look for them I feel is a little much so yeah you know there's these I'm glad that the one that you watched was going in the other direction where they talk about how this is dumb and you know unlike the Punjabi movie where they were just like yeah you need to make changes to your lifestyle to be able to push forward the agenda of a, of a peaceful coexistence and you know to your point about um, when like where it's actually when you said that you're the um the dialogue in your in your family was that 
when you're married, your your wife will fix you or whatever. I remember this thing that happened to me as well, like um, when I was much younger. Now I'm so old, I'm not even going to find a husband according to my uh, family. Um, but, <laughs> um, but like, uh, yeah, like in my early 20s, uh, they tried to set me up with this one guy. And I, when I came back after, uh, I used to call it a meeting. I never called it a date because I just thought I'm going to reserve the word date for someone that I actually fancy. So after our first meeting, I was like, yeah, he's uh, he's quite crude. Um, he's very racist and he's a bit sexist and he openly insults his family in front of me. And I'm like, if he can't, ex- if, if he can't respect his family, then how am I meant to respect them? Right. And, uh, and then I said, oh yeah. And he doesn't dress well either. And then they go like, okay, we don't know anything about how racist he is or how sexist he is. Maybe you just need to meet him a few more times to really understand what is going on in his head. And, you know, maybe he was just joking about his family and stuff. And then I was like, okay, but what about the dressing part? And then they go like, oh, but, you know, you can you can mold him uh, into, into whatever you like. And I'm like, it's not about, like, what I like. It's about being presentable. You can't just be, like, shabby and go into, like you know wherever it's it's one thing being dressed for comfort and it's a completely different thing just being shabby you know what I mean and then they're like no but you can fix that for him like I ain't fixing shit like why what and then and then they're just like no it's not like you can you can get a you can get a man who's already fixed I'm like actually I can because I'm pretty fixed myself I'm not expecting anyone to to do anything for me so you it's the same thing right you wouldn't expect a woman to, to to be like you know oh yeah you'll 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 be fixed by your husband that's not gonna happen that, that's it i mean maybe in 217 years time it will but um yeah it's just it's a it's a fucked up world isn't it i mean what what can a wife possibly do please if you want babies from me please dress well do you think me yeah, starting on the baby talk in like 30 years exactly like what is like an outsider can can fix your life for you it's just completely bullshit completely unrealistic but yeah anyway, that that brings us to sex yeah. today gonna... yeah go on sorry if i can just add one more thing yeah, yeah, yeah. of course so on, on the on the topic of you know um how media represents casual sexism or, or even overt sexism with you know um veiled as, as casual sexism and, and just how amazing women are and how self-sacrificing they are and, and you know how a woman needs to be put into her place um just two things actually so one is on the fact that it's 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 not just you know the family that has built this narrative around us i think or, or the, the society that has built this narrative around us that you know once you're a married woman you need to look a certain way or or even that you need to look a certain way to get married like I remember when I have to, you know, pick pictures to put up on my matrimonial website profile. I like my mom actually checked what pictures I was putting up because they had to reflect, you know, they had to reflect me in a way that worked for everybody and not just, you know, what actually reflected me. Um, which was really, really annoying because that's not who I am. I'm not somebody who, you know, dresses up in Indian clothes all the time. I'm not somebody who dresses up all the time anyway. Um, so why why should I you know just show that part of myself and have somebody like that part of myself of me um, and not who I actually am? Um, so that's something that that really really pissed me off. Um, and I think that movies play a huge role in this because if you watch movies like Cocktail, which are so you know super super um, uh, popular, or if you watch even oh my god that horrible movie um, like you see you know these these glow ups that women go through 
where you know they're wearing indian clothes and they suddenly become so attractive to men um, even even though like it's the same woman it's just that she was wearing sunglasses uh, so she, sorry she was wearing glasses like she's some sort of you know um peter parker or, or sorry whatever his name is superman um like no that's that's not how women are like we are multi multi dimensional we do have different parts of our personality and we're not just going to be on display and show just that one part of ourselves to be loved like that's that's so that's an, again that's sending just such a bad message just such, such a wrong message to women um, yeah there's this snippet um that i watched while scrolling on instagram the other day uh it was like an interview between jim sarb and zoya akhtar and uh, she was talking about how she was at this uh, football world cup match um somewhere in europe um and you know i think brazil lost the match and then she said i saw men as old as like 60 year old 50 year old weeping because you know they lost the match and then she's like you know i i don't i don't buy it when people tell me that men aren't emotional or you know men are insensitive because i mean what is this right like you know if if a man can weep over losing a match and she's like you know maybe it's interesting that you know they they do this when it comes to sports and things like that because that's the only space where they feel comfortable enough to be vulnerable and they're not given that space um otherwise in like day to day life and i think um that needs to be normalized too like it's not just casual sexism in terms of what um women go through on mm, a daily basis yeah. like you said, you know if men are repressed and they feel insecure or vulnerable and if they're not allowed to express that then it just comes on to the women in all the wrong ways um so it's it's not healthy for anyone really yeah wow on that note after much anger and frankly a very grown up discussion i think we've uh, so you know we we've we've changed um, the way that we that we speak to each other the three of us i mean you know we we went to school together we had the silliest of conversations uh and now look at us <laughs> we're going to change the world one episode at a time <laughs> well thank you sakshi and mavina for taking the time on a sunday morning to join me and uh to talk to us about your thoughts and thank you to the listeners who tuned in as well um just to say new episodes launch every wednesday and also ask alia mini rants coming through every week so there's going to be just a little bit more of me so until the next time it is to the loo to voo